Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, I don't know how many of you read a newspaper. Did you read a newspaper or you watch the news somewhere, right? Or you read the news online, you see it. And Anybody besides me think the world's in a pretty big mess? You know? I mean, there's some good news once in a while, some inspiring things here and there, right? But, but overall, man, we are in a world of hurt as human beings. And uh, pretty much every story you read, um, you see there's an underlying problem. And, and the big picture underlying problem is man's sin, isn't it? Man's sinful nature, man's you know, selfishness, self-centeredness, uh, man doing things his own way. Uh, as it says, right, there's a way that seems right to a man, but at the end thereof are the ways of... You guys know what it says? Yeah. Death, that's right. Yeah, it doesn't bring life. Uh, but we're going to look today, there, uh, what we're going to look at today is a theme that tends to run through pretty much all of these things. Uh, a particular way that the, that the sin gets manifested of uh, sinful nature and what it leads us to do that causes uh, big problems. And the thing is, is it's not just about what's happening in the newspaper. It's about what's happening in us, isn't it? The things that we struggle with, because what's going on here are things that in our own lives we struggle with. We may not be dealing with world politics, but we're dealing with real world stuff in our own lives. And so what we're going to look at today tells us what the problem often is and then tells us what the solution is. So let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 29. Proverbs, chapter 29. If you don't have a Bible with you, we encourage you to take one from under the, the chairs there in front of you and turn to page 760. If you follow along there, I think it will be helpful to you. Proverbs 29 tells us a lot of stuff about, uh, about raising children. It talks about righteous leaders and, and the differences that righteousness and wickedness brings into our lives. It talks about anger and uh, flattery, all sorts of things. But the, the, the verse we want to focus in on today just affects so many things in our lives. Verse number 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Let me read it again. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now, I, I told you uh, in one of the earlier sermons here in Proverbs that, that these things are put together in different ways. Sometimes there are comparisons. Sometimes there are contrasts. And one of the things I talked to you about that there often is is what we call parallelism, parallel, things that parallel. And that's what we see in this verse. It's a parallel that shows contrast, a parallel that shows difference. And so let's take a look at that here, how that's set up. We see two things. The first one is how we live and what we experience. That's the pattern here, isn't it? We live this way. We experience this kind of thing. Okay, so let's look at the two statements here. The first one is if we fear, have a fear of man, that's how we live with a fear of man. We're going to talk about what that means in a minute. 
But if we live with the fear of man, what we experience is a snare, a trap, problems and troubles, okay? And then he contrasts that with, if instead we trust in the Lord, the end result is that we will be safe. All those snares, all those troubles won't be what we're experiencing. We'll experience safety. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand here, but how many of you today would say, oh, no, man, I, want, I love the snares. I love being trapped in life. I love all that stuff. Now, if you had raised your hand, right, we'd have to have a different conversation. We know this. In other words, it's very straightforward. He's saying there's things in life that, that are problems and traps, and we, we don't want them. We don't like them. They work against us. And then there's the possibility of instead having safety from all of that, security and avoiding all of that. And the difference is whether we're fearing man or we're trusting God, okay? Well, so what does it mean to fear man? Well, we talked uh, in our first, um, the very first sermon, Proverbs chapter one, about the fear of God and what it means to fear God. And so here's what we said, that fearing God means that God is more important than anyone or anything else in our lives. Okay, we reverence him. We give him such the biggest place in our lives. And so that's the idea. God, you are more important than anything else in my life. You're more important than what anybody else thinks. You're more important than what anybody else does. You're more important than my own thinking and my own ways, my own, you are more important than anything else. Okay, now, when we fear man, guess what we do? We replace God with someone else. And so fearing man is this idea of viewing people as the most important thing in our lives. And, and really, in particular, viewing them as more important than God is. Now, I doubt there are very many of you today, if we talked to you and said, you know, I said, do you think that people are more important than God? What would you say? What would you say? If I asked you, are people more important than God to you? You'd say, no, of course God is more important. You know that truth. But in reality, what you're going to find is in your life that there are times and places where the way you're really living is as if this person or these people are more important to you than God. You didn't consciously say, no, God, I don't want you. I want these people. But we'd slip into it. We do it, and it causes all sorts of problems for us. Now, probably the, the clearest uh, picture of what it means to have a fear of man in Scripture is Peter, Peter's life. You know, Peter was a bold guy, wasn't he? I mean, he talks a big talk, and he meant it. He was serious about it. Lord, though everybody else betray you, not me. I'm going to be with you. I'll go, and I'll die with you. And Jesus said, I don't think so. I think you're going to betray me or deny me. No, I'll never do that. And sure enough, along comes uh, the soldiers. They take Jesus. All the disciples run off because they think they're next. But Peter boldly does what? Follows along. You know, maybe ways back, but he falls and he makes his way into the courtyard that's outside of the courthouse and where he can see Jesus in the trial and kind of hear what's going on. And he's standing around a fire out there. And, and, and then all of a sudden, this, it says a, a young servant girl looked at Peter and said, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? No, no, not me. She looks again and says, 
No, 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 I think you're one of his disciples. I am not one of his disciples. And then somebody else says, yeah, I think you are. You're one of those Galileans. And he curses and cusses and, and says, no, I don't know him. And then the story tells us that he looked up and Jesus looked at him and he remembered that he just denied the Lord. And he was just broken. Right, went up and wept and Jesus had to do a special things to get him restored and back on his feet and going. But do you see, why, why did Peter do that? Because at that moment, he was more afraid of what this person could do in his life than he was of what he needed to do for God. I mean, he's afraid of this, this, this young servant girl when the reality is maybe she wants to know, can you tell me what's up with this? What, what's up with this Jesus guy? You see what I mean? And so, but his fear kept him from doing that. Now, I think probably a lot of us, if you were a believer in Jesus Christ and, and you were wanting to live your life for him, we know that not only do we surrender to the Lord, we grow to be like the Lord, we also do what? We what? Tell others about the Lord. I bet that's one of the places where you most quickly find a fear of man in your life. Because there are times we don't tell, and why don't we tell? Because we're afraid of what the response might be. Afraid of where it might lead. And so the fear of the Lord shows up in all kinds of places in our lives. Um, let me see here. That's right, okay. There's a book written by a man named Ed Welch. He wrote a book entitled, When People Are Big and God is Small. And he's talking about this whole problem of fearing the Lord. And he has 10 questions that he asks here that help us to identify if we might have struggled with the fear of man sometimes. By the way, this fear of man thing, this, it may not be in your whole life, but it might be in this part of your life. It might be in this relationship. It might be in this situation that you find yourself fearing the Lord. Anyway, so he asks these questions. He says, do you ever struggle with peer pressure? In other words, all the people around you are saying something or doing something, and it might not be what you do, but you just kind of go along because, you, you know, you don't want uh, them to think badly about you. Are you overcommitted and find it hard to say no? Is self-esteem a critical concern for you? You know, you gotta, I'm working on my self-esteem. Are you often concerned about whether, what other people think of you? Does that ever come into your mind? I wonder what they're thinking about me. Are you always second-guessing your decisions because of what other people might think? So you make a decision, and then your radar goes up to see what other people are thinking, and then if it doesn't, what you, you, know, you start to second-guess that. Do you get easily embarrassed? Do you ever tell lies? Maybe even just little white lies. You tell a lie here and there. Are you jealous of other people? Do other people often make you angry or make you depressed? Do you find yourself avoiding people? And he says if you said yes to any of these questions, there's a high likelihood that there are areas of your life where you're struggling with a fear of the Lord. No, 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 no. I said that wrong. There's a high likelihood that there's an area of your life where you're struggling with fearing man, making people too important in your life, more important than God is. Now, 
Uh, as we read here, I mean, this, by the way, this idea of then fearing man or making him so important puts us in a bad place, uh, causes all sorts of problems. Because the very first thing it does is it's making us, we, we're making a choice between God and people. And it's never the right choice to choose someone or something before God. It is never the right choice. When we find ourselves fearing man, that's exactly what we've done. And the second thing is this. Whoever it is we fear, and this idea, we're using, we're using these things interchangeable, this concept of fear or being the most important. Whoever we decide is most important, and I say decide because we don't consciously always decide, do we? But we decide. This person is the most important person in my life, or these people are the most important thing. That is what is going to control you. Because what you believe is most important is what is going to run your life. And if what you believe is most important is the wrong thing, it's going to ruin your life. It's going to cause all sorts of problems in your life. So, fearing man is what's going on whenever you look to people to do for you what only God can do. Okay, that's what we're talking about here. Um, Fearing man is what's going on whenever you look to people to do for you what only God can do. And so what we find ourselves doing here is uh, almost, it doesn't sound like a very nice word, but we begin to manipulate other people to meet our needs. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But this idea of Love me. I need you. You need to love me so that I can feel valuable and secure. You, you need to pay attention to me so that I can feel like I'm important and that I matter. Yeah. You need to look after my needs so that I can feel cared for. You need to pursue me so that I can feel desirable. You need to respect me so that I can feel significant. Do you see a problem here? Because what we have just become in every human relationship is a taker instead of a giver. And I'm really kind of getting ahead of myself there, so hang on here just a minute. But the idea is if you need someone else to make you feel valuable and secure and cared for and important and you need other people to do that, here's the problem. No human being can possibly do that enough for you. You've kind of got, you got this tank and whatever you're missing in this tank, you're trying to get. And you're trying to get it from the other people. And people cannot possibly fill that up sufficiently. And so what do you got to do? You got to up the ante. You've got to increase the pressure. All right. Now, let me just ask, because I'm up here zipping along. Do you feel like you're following what I'm saying? You're getting this. Okay. So the idea is we're looking to other people for this. So let's just talk about I want to feel loved. Okay? And, and so I look. This happens in marriage relationships. It happens in friend relationships, parent-child relationships. But I need to feel loved. And we want to feel loved. And then the idea is, is, you can't love me enough for me to really get that. You can't do that enough for me. And so what I have to do is somehow put more pressure on you to get you to do it. And so what do we do? We, uh, 
we get angry. We get angry and upset, and, and why? Well, we're trying to get your attention to pay attention, and right, make me feel this. You know, or, or maybe we go, so what are we trying to get? Pay attention to me. I need to feel certain. I need you to do something for me. You know, we might even do the cold shoulder thing, right? Ignore and don't pay attention. And really, what are we hoping? We're saying, now none of it, you guys would have never do that stuff, would you? We do it. And the problem is the other person can't ever meet that need because that other person is a sinful person, born with a sin nature, finite, unable to be God. People make lousy gods. Okay, you put people in place of God, they do a lousy job at it. Now, think about this. Put this in a marriage relationship. And you have one person on one side wanting something and trying to get it from the other person and increasing the pressure and doing this. And the other person on the other side, the same thing, only maybe different feelings, trying to get it. As I have a good friend, Dave and I have a good friend, Phil Mason, who describes this as two ticks, no dog. Okay, but do you see what's going on here? We are putting people in place of God, wanting people to do things for us that they cannot possibly do. And if we can get this squared away and changed around where we're, yeah, is it nice when my wife shows me love? I love it. It's a blessing to me. But I need to get to the place in my life where I'm not looking for her to make me feel loved, for her looking to make me feel important, because somehow or other I've, learn this from God, that I am important, that I am significant. I mean, as long as I walk with him, and then you know what I become in this, this marriage relationship? I become a giver instead of a taker. And so the Bible describes this, the fear of man is a snare. What is a snare? I think we all know what that is. It's the idea, yeah, my kids used to do this out in the woods, you know, they'd, they'd bend over a a branch on a tree and then put a rope and a loop and, and they weren't trying to catch animals, they were trying to catch their brothers or sisters. Okay, they had all different kinds of traps, hole traps, everything out in the woods. But a snare, so we get that, right? It's a snare, and all of a sudden, the animal would walk through the cop. Um, but this word also means a hook in the nose. Do you, have you ever noticed this, this picture of the bulls, these big bulls, sometimes they'll put a ring in their nose? You know why that is? Because you can get a hold of that ring and pull it, and guess what that bull does? Oh, where are we going? And, and same with you. you. Can you imagine somebody put a hook in your nose? You're going to go, okay, yes, where, where, right? And that's what it says happens to you. When you begin to put, make someone in your life more important than God is, you are fearing man Hooks in the nose, and guess what? It's got you. And it's going to take you places you don't want to be. Places you never intended to be. And so the fear of man is a snare. And a snare in two ways, and I've already kind of covered one. One of the snares is in your relationships with other people. Okay? Because you do become a, a taker, a taker, a taker. Got to make you give me. Got to make you give me. And so that is a major trap. And Relationships don't work well that way, okay? Marriage relationships certainly don't work well that way. And what happens, sometimes the marriage eventually blows up or they just learn to live in despair. 
right? Neither of which are good solutions. They're bad solutions. So we've already got it. It's a snare with people. But I want to tell you, it's also a snare between you and God. It's a snare in that relationship. It's a trap. It's a problem. And uh, let's take a lesson. Well, let me, let, me before, let me say this. You see, what's really going on here, this whole idea of fear of man, and we man, man, people are more important, but what we're really doing is they're so important. Why? Because I am so important. I need to be loved. I need to be respected. I need to be paid attention to. I need, and we really ultimately are at the center, aren't we? And, and here's a snare, because we, here we are at the center of our lives trying to make everybody else meet our needs, and then you come to this sermon, and you hear, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to put people in God's place in my life. I need to put God in that place. But we miss a point. Because what we can do is we can put God in that place and still think it's all about me. And now God is going to, God, you need to make me feel loved. God, you need to make me feel respected. You need to make me feel valued. You need to make me feel cared for. And, and you know, this is a very popular view of God and Jesus in our culture. What is God's job? To make us feel good. To make our lives go well. And we have still totally missed the point, haven't we? Because at that point, there's still a person in our lives who is more important to us than God is. And who is it? Who is it? It's ourselves. It's me. And don't say, yeah, I knew it was you all along, Walt. <laughs> it's you. It's me. We put ourselves at the center. So let's go back to elementary school here and, and, and remind ourselves of a lesson. Do you remember learning about the solar system in school? Okay. You know, there was a time in which, go ahead and put that picture up here. There was a time in which, you know, that people thought that the sun went around the earth, right? And does that make sense? Would you think that? Because we see it go every day, don't we, right? Okay, so we, we, we get that, why that happened. But as they began to study more and learn more and, and be able to see more and things they learn something, and that's that the sun does not revolve around the earth. The earth revolves around the sun. And, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Well, we make a big mistake when we think that the Lord ought to revolve around us. He ought to be revolving around us, taking and doing for us. No, your life should revolve around the Lord. And so that is key that you come to that because even if you push back and say, okay, I'm going to stop fearing man, I'm going to stop letting those people be more important to me than God, but then all you do is just replace them with God and expect God to do whatever you want and whatever you feel you've messed up. You're trying to make the sun revolve around you. Okay? And so we have to deal with this. The solar system, a spiritual solar system, your life should revolve around the Lord. Now, this whole problem, I mean, it, it, it's a problem because of sin, but yet there is something here that God has done that made it be this way, and it is not a bad thing. All right, God made us to desire acceptance and approval that only he can give. In other words, God is the one who put that desire in your heart to be accepted and, and loved and 
and, and you know, valued and cared for. He put that desire in your heart. That's a natural human desire. He put the desire in your heart for approval and to feel significant and to feel like I'm doing something that matters and I can do well, all of that. He put those desires in our hearts. But he set it up so that you cannot get it anywhere but him. Now, oh. In other words, anything else you get is not enough. Anything else you get is in fear. Anything else you get is going to leave you still feeling needy. Um, so God has set it up to where you cannot meet this need for yourself. You can't. You can't meet this need for yourself. He set up nobody else can meet this need for you. Okay? He set it up so that he and he alone is the only one who can satisfy our desire for acceptance and approval. And, and when we don't do that, when instead we keep someone else as the most important part in our lives, what does it say here? The fear of man does what? What's it say? You guys still there? Your Bible's still open? The fear of man brings a snare. But he who trusts in the Lord See, that's the other side of this. We don't have to experience a snare. We don't have to find ourselves in those traps. Instead, we can make a choice to trust in the Lord. And by the way, this idea, God doing this, is a good thing. Because what does it make us do? It drives us to him again and again and again and again and again. And the problems that he lets us experience when we don't. That too is the love of God. Because he's making us realize what? This ain't working. And I need to go to God. Now, so when we talk about trusting in the Lord to meet the legitimate needs that I have, this means whether it's a physical need or whether it's love and acceptance or value and importance or, or direction in life, I look to the Lord for these things. I'm going to trust in Him for these things instead. Then He will meet those needs. Now, let me share an interesting thought with you. He sometimes, not always, but He will use people to help do this. But you must always remember, they are not the source. He is. In other words, so let's say that, that uh, you know, me as a man, me as a pastor over the years, and let's say I find myself struggling. God, I, don't, I just don't feel like I'm making a difference in life. I don't know if it really matters what I'm doing or not. You say it does, but God, I'm looking to you. Would you please help me to see the truth? And you minister to me, and you provide what I need here. And so I'm looking at the word and, and saying, hey, you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, be faithful and God will do this. And I'm saying, okay, all right, I get that. And then God, by his spirit, moves in somebody else's life and my a conversation, they say, hey, Walt, I want you to know something. I, you've really made a difference in my life. What has God just done? See, he's reinforced it. But I wasn't looking for that from that person. So when we stop trying to get this stuff from people, we free the situation up to where God can actually use those people. Okay? So let me say this. There's nothing wrong with caring about what people think. This is a good thing. 
but the reason you're caring really matters. Are you with me on that? In other words, if I'm caring what you think because I need you to think a certain way so that I can be okay, fear of man, snare. But if instead I care about what you think and mean what you think of it because I want to help you. Because I, I want to be an encouragement in your life and so I care what you... See, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? Not a taker anymore. Now I'm a giver. Because God is the most important in my life. I can be a giver. And we could just spend a lot of time on that. We won't. But so our choice is fear of man brings a snare or we can trust in God and be safe. And if we choose to trust in God, all the harms associated with this fear of man go away. Wow. How nice would it be to wake up in the morning or have something happen in your life, a difficult situation, and all of a sudden you realize, I'm not controlled by this. I am free because I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm safe. Let me just say to you, we, we, you know, we think, oh, no, and we're so used to trying to make this all work for us, make it all plug in and fit our lives and make us feel better. We're so used to that. And, of course, it brings all that trouble. But I want you to know if you trust God, he will address these things in your life. God is a good God. God loves you, and if you will say, okay, God, you are the most important in my life, and Lord, I don't even know exactly what that means, but that's what I'm saying, and that's what I want. I want you to teach me. I want you to look, help me learn. I want you to help me grow. Let's just look at a few verses here about God to give you some encouragement that this is worth doing. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is what? Good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You want blessings? Trust in God. Matthew chapter 11 calls us to himself. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Does that ever describe your life? He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God, you're most important to me. I, I'm going to take your yoke on my life. I'm going to accept your burden. And then, wow, this yoke and this burden really are blessings. And you know what I'm finding out? Inside, I've got rest. Anybody tired? Anybody tired of how your life is going? The struggles that are there? Choose trust in the Lord. Choose to make him the most important thing in your life and you will find rest. Deep down in your soul, rest. Jesus, uh, in John chapter 7, talks about when we feel these needs and he uses the picture of thirsting. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Don't go to someone else. Come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. He says, I'll deal with that, that, that thing in your life in such a way that, guess what? It starts to overflow. And again, you become a what? A giver, not a taker. 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul describes God as the Father of, all, Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation. You need any comfort today? Need any comfort this past week? God will do that when you Trust in him. 
Hebrews chapter 13 says, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. Get this. I will not fear what can man do to me. We have just made the transition from what? Oh, I'm trying to get from people. People are so important in my life. I've got to get from this, and I'm afraid. And I've got to get this. We've just transitioned to what? Trusting the Lord. I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't have to have that struggle anymore. Now, I'm telling you this, and I know that we live our lives with what's in front of us, and it happens to us, and it hits us, and we're dealing with all that kind of stuff. And you might say, how in the world can this work? Well, I want you to know that, that Mary, before she had Jesus and had an angel come and talk to her, she expressed this same thing. Luke chapter 1, she says, how can this be? And the angel responded and said, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. So you might be here today and say, I am in so deep with the fear of man, I don't even know what it looks like to get out. How can this work? Well, with God, it can work. But you've got to make a choice. All right, so today, first choice, here's what I want every one of you to think about. I want you to make a choice, a conscious choice right now to say, I, either for the first time or for the hundredth time or whatever, I am going to stop fearing man and start trusting God. I'm, I'm, I'm making that conscious choice. Again, how's it going to work? I don't have all those answers. I'm going hard, but I'm making a conscious choice. I need to do this. So I'm going to ask you right now, how many of you would say, at least in some area of your life today, that you know, yes, I, I'm making that choice right now? I am. Okay? All right. See, we need to make that conscious choice. Well, what do you do this afternoon? And tonight and tomorrow and the next day? Well, one of the things I want you to do is I want you to start trying to identify, hey, where am I fearing man? Or where am I letting people be more important to me than God? What areas have I done that? First thing, just ask God, show me. He may very well show you. But it's all likelihood what you're going to start to see is, wait a minute, where I'm feeling this turmoil and a heavy burden and difficulties in these relationships, maybe, right? That might be a sign that you're letting that go on. And get in the Word and look, what am I supposed to be trusting God for? And, and look and grow. And He will work in your life. You, you might even want to see... Uh, get with another older, wiser Christian to help you look at your life and say, where, where have I let people be more important to me than God? Or even a Christian counselor. Sometimes there's some, some balls of twine that are so tangled that it takes some special help to get them undone. But what you don't want to do is stay where you are. That's a snare. It's a trap. It may be that you're here today and you've never really once and for all settled the issue of your relationship with Christ. You, you have sinned against the Holy God. We all have. And if we're honest, we know that, don't we? We've all done, gone our own way and done our own thing. The Bible says that that separates us from God. We might know that He exists and believe and, and even want to think nice things about it, but the problem is, is our sin is in the way. That's why Jesus came. He came... As, as Son of God comes to earth, becomes a man, lives a perfect and sinless life. And as God the Son, he goes to the cross. And as he hangs on the cross, the Bible says that God took the penalty for my sin 
the penalty for all of your sins, the penalty for the sins of the whole world, and he died there, paying the penalty for your sin. We sang about that earlier today, and I just got overwhelmed thinking him on the cross, knowing he was dying for me. Three days later, he rose from the dead. He's alive in heaven today. And he says to you and I, if you will acknowledge that you have sinned against me and you will say, yes, I'm in trouble. I can't fix this problem. I can't, make, I can't go back and change that stuff. I can't. I need to be forgiven. I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God who died for my sins and rose again. And right now, best I know how, I receive you as my Savior. I'm going to trust what you did for me. The Bible says that when we do that, he forgives every sin because he died for every sin. When this life is over, you have eternal life with him. But probably the biggest thing he does is that he moves into your life and makes you new deep down inside and begins to work that out into your life. So let's bow our heads right now. No one looking around. If you're here today and you say, yeah, you know, I, don't, I haven't ever settled that issue with him. I've never made that once-in-a-lifetime decision to receive Jesus as Savior. And I want to do that. If that's you today, I'm going to do two things with you. First one is I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You pray silently. God knows what's in your mind and heart. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer to make that decision to receive Jesus. And then when it's done... Still nobody looking around. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and indicate to me that you did pray with me to receive Jesus as Savior. And then I'll be able to pray for you. Okay? So right now, if you're saying, yes, I need to settle this issue, I want to receive Jesus as Savior, silently in your heart before God, pray something like this. Say, God, I know that I have sinned against you. And I know that my sins have separated me from you. And I know if I die like this, I'll go to hell. That's not what I want, God. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I believe that he rose again from the dead. And right now, the very best I know how, I receive Jesus as my Savior. I accept his payment for my penalty. And I put my faith in him to forgive me and to come into my life. Amen. Head still bowed, eyes still closed. You just pray that prayer with me. I want to give you an opportunity right now to act on that just by raising your hand. If you just prayed with me to receive Christ, nobody else looking around at me, would you just lift your hand up? I see that hand, yes. Anybody else? Any other hands today? Yes, I see that hand. You can put them down. Anybody else? All right. Father, thank you for those who have raised their hands here today, say they received your son as Savior. I pray, Father, that you would really help them to experience the reality of this and they would pursue this relationship with you and they would experience the truth of it, Lord, and the joy of it and that they can then begin to live this life where they don't have to fear man, but they can trust in you. I pray that for all of us, Father, that we'll live that way.
I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.